0: Our friends at Tailwind Nutrition have your back on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. We introduced you to Tailwind when talking to Jesse and Scott about their 100 miler on episode 21. Well, Tailwind is so great, they shot us a note back saying they love the show and they wanted to keep the discount up for you guys. How about that? Tailwind is the real deal endurance fuel to keep you going through training sessions and on race day, and they are built to help you recover and come back stronger. Ditch the gels, bars, chews, and pills, and go all day with just Tailwind. Tailwind mixes with water to meet your calorie, hydration, and electrolyte needs no matter how big a day is in front of you. Deliberately mild, customers describe the flavor as clean and light with a mouthfeel as close to water as you can get while still meeting all your nutrition needs. So go to TailwindNutrition.com and find their starter kit. Drop it in your cart and use the code PICK6, P-I-C-K-S-I-X, and you're going to save 20% just like that. Boom. TailwindNutrition.com, find the starter kit, use the code PICK6, or go to tailwindnutrition.com slash starter-kit and use that code PICK6 and save 20% off today. Tailwind, all you need, all day, really. There is a growing problem in our nation. A suicide attempt happens every 22 seconds. One life is lost every 11 minutes, and suicide is now the second leading cause of death among ages 18 to 39. Today, we're talking to Evan Owens, who through Reboot Recovery is helping people overcome trauma so they can embrace a brighter future. Let's meet him on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. Evan, excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Excited to be here. This is in the ongoing series of people that my great friend Brad Borders Has said, Hey, Brian, I got somebody for you to have on the show. And when Brad Borders suggests, we hard charge it as fast as we can. In fact, I just had the great blessing of being with Brad Monday of this week. And we dropped the podcast uh, on Tuesday uh, with him, the 29th of June, as they were finishing up a project that you're somewhat related to as well. So we'll get to that as well. But again, We've got a great friend like that, that makes a connection, Evan. Uh, That's something we got to follow through with. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Brad and his beautiful, luxurious beard that he grows (laughs) right now. It's kept short still, but wait till he's, he's going to grow that bad boy out in a few years. I can
0: see it it coming. It is. It it look. he he wears it well. Uh, He's like, he's
1: like Sergeant, he's like Sergeant red beard. He's got that red hair thing. He does.
0: He does get a little longer in the tooth, a little wider in the beard but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's, that's experience. right. Experience and seasoning for that's sure. Right, seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to know you a little bit, man. Uh, and I know you and your wife, Jenny have embarked on this incredible journey. That's brought you to reboot recovery. We're going to talk about what that is and man, this empower, this just powerful strength of purpose that you guys have around this mission. But man, I want to get to know you a little bit. I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So who is Evan Owens?
1: I feel like I should quote a Ron Burgundy line here. Like I am a man of intrigue. I have many leather bound books. My office smells of rich mahogany. Um, But uh, yeah, my wife and I, uh, we started Reboot actually in our living room back in 2011. Her background was a doctor of occupational therapy, specializing in traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress. She was recruited from Vanderbilt University to go work for the Department of Defense at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, they were standing up. What was known kind of at that time as the first trauma you know, outpatients or small on-base uh, tr- mild traumatic brain injury clinic. And it was amazing. Her job was the coolest. I mean, she got to do this amazing thing called the RTD, the return to duty program where she would go out and really assess to see if a soldier or a military member was ready to rejoin the ranks of active duty and to, to deploy again. And there was everything from automated or not automated, but, um, Simulated Humvee rollovers and smoke and land navigation and war scenes and all these incredible uh, um, illustrations to really test a person's readiness to deploy. And so she got to do all that. And through that, I was actually running a technology company. I was the CEO of a technology company at this time. And um, every day, I'd come home talking about a website that we had built, and she'd come home talking about somebody who she had talked out of suicide, who was wow. deep, and I started feeling like, man what am I doing? I'm just building websites for a living, you know, nothing against anybody that does that, but I, I wanted to do something more. I wanted to do something more. And so my wife and I would begin inviting people into our home and having conversations about where faith and trauma intersect and, and having a conversation about what does a, what would it mean if a soul could be wounded? If, if we're, if we're mind, if we're body, mm-hmm. if we're soul, if that's how we're all, is it possible that maybe one of the reasons why we're not healing like we want to is because we're addressing the mind and body, but we're neglecting this third piece, this soul piece. And so we began those conversations and we hit a nerve and things just began to take off and so we were still doing our day jobs and moonlighting as nonprofit leaders in the evenings um, and just really it was it was a, an amazing time in our lives
0: How did you guys meet
1: We met at college man we uh, so I actually have my degree in music from a school called Belmont University and yeah, she has Go Bruins. She has she has her <laughs> occupational therapy degree from there her her doctorate from there and um, as well. And so we met uh, freshman year. She annoyed me because she was not very, uh, she was very studious. She was that girl who couldn't help but raise her hand in class. I was mm-hmm. the kid who sat in the back of the class and was like, I'll get my A, B, just leave me alone. Right. And uh, so, um, yeah, we ended up, the, the cool part of our story is uh, my roommate and her roommate were high school sweethearts. They ended up, you know, getting engaged and getting married. And, and so all the time I was with my my roommate hanging his girlfriend at the time. Um, and she was with her hanging out with her boy, you know, her roommate's boyfriend. And so it turned out the four of us were always together. So pretty much it, we sort of accidentally began dating uh, because it was constant double dates, whether we wanted it to be or not. And we turned out best friends, and we're still best friends to this day. Not too many married couples. I'll say this: not too many married couples raise right, three kids at the age of eight together, run a full-time organization, and both work together 24 hours a day. Not too many couples want to do that or should do that. But for us, we we really have a special friendship that's pretty unique.
0: Yeah, that is amazing. I mean, because there's so much that goes into all those things. Maybe it's let me finish brushing my teeth for a minute, and then we can talk strategy related to the next seven, eight, right. nine months of the, of the company year, right. business here. Was That's there right. a moment where you guys were were really like, we got to go after this thing? We really got to make this thing happen. Were you seeing things happen? I mean, I know, I know she was seeing a lot, right? You got to think about the time frame here. Two thousand ten. 2011, you know, we're seven, eight years, you know, with wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, more guys, gals coming home with serious issues, with serious things that they need help with that you couldn't always see too. So did all that just kind of, you know, compound into this?
1: Yeah, I mean, the op tempo was really hot at that time too, um, you know, for Fort Campbell, for Mm -hmm. some of the things. And what we were doing is we, we realized that we couldn't be about us. I mean, for people who are listening, You know, you didn't hear me say that I was a veteran because I'm not. And my wife isn't either. Now I am the son of a Vietnam veteran. um, And so I grew up with that. But that's different. And so we knew the reboot couldn't be about what Jenny and I were doing. It couldn't be about us because we're the worst possible face of this organization. You know, we're not the brand. We're we're not the, the chiseled jaw army veteran, you know, special ops guy that every military nonprofit looks for to lead um you know uh, a good friend of mine justin um robert who created an incredible film that you should go check out it's called no greater love um he once told me he said evan you know he goes everybody looks for a saul but sometimes they get a david (laughs) and i think that in, in in my case we were that and um so what we were doing is we, we had our group there in Fort Campbell, but we had started other groups on other army bases and other Marine Corps bases around the country. So on weekends, we were loading up in the van, loading up some of our graduates and driving across country to stand up new locations in Washington, DC, Oklahoma city, Tinker airfield, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, all these different places where I met Brad, actually on one of those trips mm-hmm. um, when I was down in, down in Georgia. And so it got to this place where it was very evident. God was, was frustrating me at my current company. It was not going well. Things were frustrating for me on a daily basis. Meanwhile, this ministry, this, this mission was exploding. And I was at a point where I was leading three, four reboot groups a week by myself. Plus I was doing, or sorry, two or three reboot groups. Plus I had a veteran living with me. Plus I was traveling Mm -hmm. on the weekends and I couldn't do it anymore. I was at break point. I was, you know, and so, that's when it was obvious, you know, it was, it was, I think Dave Ramsey talks about pulling the boat closer. So eventually you can step off of the, the dock onto the boat. And it was clear that the boat was about to ram into the dock and we yep. were going to end up on the boat, whether we wanted to or not.
0: Yep. Picture this, uh, me lean in and tell a little story here. I love your analogy. Saul, uh, and a lot of our listeners will know this, but you know, Saul looks the part, right? He's tall, he's handsome. He's got this amazing armor, right? He's a warrior dude. Like right. that guy's a soldier david's over here his whole life his friends are out wanted to go play wanted to go in town when they get a little bit older wanted to go have real jobs wanted to go maybe party a little bit and david's over there just with this little sling kind of practicing his sling and and you think you might need a warrior but but because that young man was so dedicated to that sling and also dedicated to his faith when the bully came to town when the big giant came to town who'd they look to 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 save him who stepped up to do it in fact they put all that armor on him they said here man put all this big armor on and he put it on he's like this is too clunky i can't mm-hmm. I can't work in this and he went out there with the armor of god and the slingshot and he took down right the big giant so yep. i love that yep. analogy man and and it's one uh that empowers you right gives you that confidence right uh to be yeah and i
1: mean i think for us and for us to this day you know the way we work is we're peer-led we'll talk about that in a minute but you know, all of our courses are led by somebody else now, you know, Mm -hmm. and these people are from these communities that, that they represent, whether it's military first responder or the trauma community that we work with. I mean, I, I think for us, we realized that for Reboot to be successful, it had to be about what other people could do, not about what we could do. And really our job became equipping and empowering them to fulfill the calling in their life. And I think that was a major shift because it was never a, an ego thing and still isn't, you know, yeah. still isn't yeah. facilitating
0: to them to be able to do that, empowering them my F friends... three and
1: letting them, them to experience. I mean, the most joyful journey in my life was being able to help these people through their trauma. And I said, man, everybody needs to experience this. This is the coolest thing on earth, wow. you know? Wow.
0: So, yep. My F3 friends will lean in, as you say, peer led there. Um, you know, that's one of the, the core principles we believe in, uh, in that organization is being peer led, right? Having people stand up and lead and, and and empowering your people to be a part of this thing. I actually think, I, I honestly think it helps connect people to something bigger than themselves when they're tasked with the job, either they go out and find one and get one. or Sometimes you got to find what's the next, what does that next person need to do to be a leader? Right. All right, let's talk, right. let's get into reboot recovery. You guys say that if trauma is, our personal intersection with the brokenness of the world, then recovery is our personal intersection with the redemptive heart of God. So tell us about this organization. Let's get into the nuts and bolts of what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah. Three things Everybody is we're, we're outcomes driven. So while we are faith-based, we have tons of scientific data, which is important. We work with leading researchers around the country to talk about this issue of moral injury this issue of spiritual injury. So that's first things outcomes driven. We're faith-based. We're unequivocally Christian oriented. And number three is, we are peer-led. And so the way our programs work is we've got three programs, Reboot Combat Recovery, Reboot First Responders, and then a program called Trauma Reboot. The first two are pretty self-explanatory in who they serve. The third one, Trauma Reboot, is a trauma healing course for everyone. And um, the way that our programs work is they're 12 weeks long. They meet one night per week for 12 weeks. They uh, work through a proven process, a proven curriculum, uh, in a small group sort of fashion that includes things of videos and books and, you know, activities, things like that. It's pretty immersive. It takes about an hour or two per week. And during that time period, you know, we always say Reboot's a community first and we're a course second. We believe that the backbone of long-term healing is authentic, loving, trusting relationships, which means we could get together. We could play ping pong or table tennis, I suppose, if you're more of a serious variety of that, right? We could get together and do that every week. And we believe that healing would still happen because I believe there's healing when you get around people who you trust and who genuinely love you. And we believe that's something that we bring to the table. And so when what, what we began doing was, was identifying peer leaders in these communities and giving them a system that we had used ourselves. And we began saying, let me, let me equip you to be able to facilitate a local course. And so we've got hundreds of courses around the world now. You know, We have some states like where Brad's at in North Carolina where we've got 20, 30, 40 courses in a single state. Um, each of the programs, they're, they're peer-led. And it's as simple as just people can go online and they can register at RebootRecovery.com and sign up for one of the courses. And I think what they'll find as they go through it is they'll find a couple things. They'll find a leader who's there for no other reason except for because they love you. And mm. that is different from the clinical world. While I love my clinical friends, they can't love all their patients. They can't. There's too many of them. They build them to different relationships. Number two is they're going to find that they're not alone. They're going to find that there's a room full of people who've been on a similar journey. And number three is they're going to find this, you know, I would say that this is the last thing I'll say, you know, the first sign that someone's beginning to overcome trauma is that they realize somebody else is hurting. Yeah. The second sign is that then they want to do something about it. And as it they away. begin to, as, as they begin to heal in our courses, um, you know, I'll give some data in a little bit, but but they'll start seeing not only am I this healing wasn't just for me. This healing is meant to be contagious. It's meant to be shared. And if we want to stop the suicide pandemic, it can't be a government intervention only. And it can't be just a church led thing. It has to be everybody doing a little bit. And that's, you know, because suicide doesn't happen in the emergency room. Mm-mm. It happens to your neighbor deep when he's deep hidden in his basement late at night with a handgun. Yeah. And who he reaches out to is a normal everyday person. He doesn't reach out to a doctor. He doesn't reach out to a suicide intervention. That's yep. He reaches out to you. And so we want to make sure that everybody is ready and everybody's able to help.
0: And it's putting that community around them to do everything you can to stave that moment off first of all, right. To make sure that moment never happens. But if it does, if they, if they are feeling that pull, who can they turn to? All right. So if someone is right. right, attending a course, let's say on the first responder front, if I'm hearing you correctly, that means that the people training, leading that course, interacting with them our first responders For veterans it means that, it, that it's veterans and what I, what I think is important about that and, and I love your thoughts on it is there's a shared language in community that if you're not in a, if you're not a member of that community, you can't just speak the same way they can right Veterans are going to be able to say things to each other differently than a civilian one. they're going to be able to use terminology, that they're familiar with. That, that's got to be a huge helpful part of making that connection and, and maybe bringing some of those barriers and those walls down and letting some vulnerability happen.
1: Yeah, and it, it definitely can be. I think the number one thing we want them to do is to connect to one another, not necessarily connect to the leader though. You know, mm-hmm. the leader's role is highly overrated in a lot of healing circles, right? It, you know, yes, what we share as leaders is important to what we teach is important. But again, it's, it's that friend that I develop a relationship with that we have a special energy that when I see him at the ball field on Saturday or when I run him in the grocery store or when we go to the same church or whatever it is, the relationship that will stand the test of time, not necessarily because a leader has 20, 30, 50 people over time, you know, hundreds that they are responsible for. And we see the same epidemic or same problem in the church, which is everybody wants to be under the care of the one person, the one staff member who can't possibly be that for everybody. And so what we want to make sure is first off is that they're actually finding that shared commonality, that shared ground with one another and creating and fostering that type of resilient community. Um, we talk about, you know, the sequoia trees, they grow hundreds of feet tall, they they stand the test of time. They're around hundreds of years and yet their root systems are only like three or four or five feet under the ground mm-hmm. and they never get knocked down by the weather. And the reason is is because they're all intertwined with each other and that's what we try to create at our groups. But then, yes, to so the leader, we have most of our leaders, are veterans or first responders of our veteran and first responder programs almost exclusively. We have a few that are oddballs like myself that just have a specific background or experience or they have a connectedness to this population. Maybe they have a brother that they were the caregiver for for many years, or maybe they're a spouse, or maybe they're a, you know, and so I don't want to exclude those people, because I think, I think there's this, this essence that a lot of people believe, well, I'm not from this group. So therefore, I shouldn't go help that group. And unfortunately, only 0.4% of Americans served in the military. So if we're hoping only veterans help veterans, or if you're a veteran listening, you think no civilian can understand me because they never served, Think about you just cut out 99.6% of the population and said they can't help you. It's a pretty lonely world mm-hmm. and we don't want to do that we don't want to do that because while maybe i wasn't able to offer something in terms of empathetic experience what i could offer is experience from the standpoint of what's it going to be like to be a civilian i could teach them about how to get a job i could teach them about how to do some of that stuff i could teach them about you know I, when they said man i don't know if i can you know make it as a civilian i say bro you woke up at 4 a.m and went running civilians weren't even out of bed for three more hours you'll be fine you know i think they needed a civilian to their life sometime and just say, i love you even though I don't understand everything you've been through, like I'm in your corner, like let's lock our roots together. Like I got your back. Like I'm here for you. Even though I don't understand everything. I don't have to, I don't have to. I think the curriculum does a really good job of guiding them through. So again, most of our leaders are, but we have a few exceptions.
0: Yeah. That's really incredible. I threw some statistics out uh, at the beginning of the show you did as well, but help, help paint the picture for us. Just the problems, that we are up against. You use the word pandemic, and I think it's aptly used. What are we really up against here?
1: Yeah, I think that that in general. So not even just not even just military. I mean, military. A lot's been yeah. made of the 22 veterans, but in general, suicide happens every a suicide attempt happens every 22 seconds in our country. Um, a life is lost to suicide every 11 minutes. Suicide's the second leading mm-hmm. cause of death now, 18 to 39. The only thing above that is accident death which would be things like texting and driving right and so you know we believe that that that's a a root a root problem suicide but there's something that a lot of times leads to that which is trauma and unresolved trauma passes from generation to generation it's contagious right someone who experiences trauma before the age of 12 let me give you some interesting points they're 15 times more likely to complete suicide if they experience trauma. for They're four wow. times more likely to become an alcoholic or a drug addict. They're three times more likely to have serious career issues where they can't settle down, they can't seem to, to find a thing. And the existing solution, while it is effective in some ways, it's not enough. The US spent $458 billion with a B dollars last year to treat uh, comorbidities of unaddressed trauma in our country. The VA today spends a minimum, Of $4,100 per person just for the basic treatment of PTSD. Many times that's multi year, right? And yet, all of this stuff, all this $458 billion, and yet more people took their life last year than the year before that, 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 that, right? And so, something has to change, right? Something has to change. And I think when we look at some of this data point, trauma is everywhere. Trauma is no longer just for people who grew up in rough homes. Trauma Mm is You have tons of people who are sexually abused, tons of people who are physically abused. You have tons of people. We're dealing with an entire generation of young people who have been abandoned by their fathers, right, who, have, who deal with the wound of abandonment and neglect and rejection from that. We have an entire group of people, right? And so this issue of trauma is not something that we can continue to ignore. Um, and, if, and if you're a person of, of faith, I believe that this is the greatest evangelical opportunity for the Christian movement, for the Christian world, maybe in our lifetime. Because what's happening is people are coming. You know, when we go through trauma, it catalyzes a conversation about faith. It makes us ask questions like, why did this happen to me? Mm-hmm. God, if you're real, why would you allow such suffering? It catalyzes those questions. And where naturally do many Americans turn? We turn to church. And yet what the church is doing many times is we're outsourcing the carrying of the broken because it seems too complicated or messy or we're too afraid of liability. And so we refer to a counselor. But many of these people, they already had a counselor. They wanted answers to the questions of the big questions. And that's why Reboot, I think, hit a nerve. We went from having one group with only, you know, three people in our living room to by the time we got to Fort Campbell, only a few months later, we had 26 families showing up every week. Then we had 20 locations, then 50, then 150, then 300. And I think that's why it's because people said, I want to explore these deeper questions. I don't just want a pill. I don't just want a diagnosis, right? And I think that's where we as Christian people can take a step forward and have a conversation
0: what's the song where it says, what if the church on Sunday, you know, was the church on Monday too, right? There's so much, right. Yeah. There's so much more, there's so much more work to be done. I want to lean in on this part a little bit um, and dig a little bit deeper on it because we're not just physical bodies and brains and hearts that can be mended by chemical treatment. Right. And there's a ton of, there's a ton of positive uh, to things that are available for you. Uh, Absolutely. Right. To medicate, to be able to help, but, to, but, but that spirit, that soul um, there's no pill for that. Right. There's, right. there's no pill for that. Um, now we think that right. there's medicine. And
1: there is, and I'm there, pro I'm pro medicine. I'm pro no, of course. But what I'm saying is yeah.
0: what I'm saying, I guess my point is, is y- you, I think personally, you've got to address the spiritual. You've got to address the soul when doing all this, if you're going to address the physical, the mental and the emotional, I think spiritual needs to be there as well.
1: Right. Because check this out. Spiritual root issues will manifest as physical fruit issues. Right. Let me say that again. Spiritual root issues will manifest as physical fruit issues. I might be presenting symptoms of anxiety or depression or substance abuse or relationship dysfunction, but there's a deeper rooted issue going on. And that deeper rooted issue a lot of times has to do with one of three roots that God gives us. He gives us a root of belonging and a root of purpose and a root of safety. These are the three things. If we look at the garden of Eden, they were totally safe, right? They had no risk. They belonged. They walked with God. They didn't even mm-hmm. feel the need to cover themselves. And they had a purpose, which was to name the animals and take care of the garden. That was it. Those were the three things God gave them and they had everything they needed. But when evil entered the world, suddenly trauma happened and instead of safety, right they were afraid and they hid instead of belonging they had ice they were isolated from one another and they realized their nakedness they got disconnected from god instead of purpose they were cast out of the garden and they were forced to find their own purpose and find their own way and these kind of things these deep issues and i know that's a lot of deep theology there very quickly sure. but i think a lot of times what happens is we overlook you know instead of instead of trying to say okay why is this symptom actually happening or what's the root cause we overlook it and so i often say is you know people aren't necessarily a huge fan of them all the time but rob bell i think said something really smart years ago he said you know he loves when he meets people who say they're not really into spiritual things because he says i just tell them too late meaning you're a spiritual being you're already into spiritual things whether you want to be or not yeah and i think that's the thing we have conversations when we say if you are a mind you are a body and you are a soul then the question is is can your soul be wounded? And if so, what would the symptoms of a wounded soul be look like and how would they be treated? Right. And let's have that conversation because it's possible that those three things working connectively is where true, deep, lasting, authentic healing happens. And um, yeah, it's, have, a, have
0: it's you a beautiful seen, thing. Yeah. Have you seen through this process? And I'm assuming you have where someone comes in and there's a real shift from, and, I, and I'm guessing this is where you're trying to get people to, walk in the door saying, why would, why would God let this happen to me versus saying, what has he given me? What has he equipped me with to overcome this challenge? Have you seen that progression happen quite a bit throughout this?
1: I think every person, when we go through difficult times, wonders why, you know, I think that um, the interesting part, whether you're talking about grief or guilt, these are some of the topics we talk about guilt, you know, grief, things like that. Um, the thing about why questions is usually why questions don't actually have an answer that we receive, mm. right? They leave us wandering. They're sort of like a fool's errand, looking for fool's gold. You know, we, we think that if we could just know the answer to why, then we'd feel better. And the analogy we use in one of our curriculum, you're sitting in traffic, you're stuck. What do we do? We lean over out the window to try to see around the traffic, see the source because we believe in our heart that if we just knew why we were stopped, yeah. it would make us feel better. Yeah. But what's funny is you even can do about we, it. <laughs> And even when you do find out it doesn't really make you feel better right right. usually it makes you feel worse because you're like it's one pop up there on the side just pull off go you know whatever it is there's that essence that if we just felt if we just we think if we just knew the why but what we try to do is help people move towards the the who and the how and the what which is okay what can be done about this right how can this change me who can help change me who can help heal me of this and it's not so much people say god equipped me with things to overcome this it's more of a of a recognition that saying god is is redeeming this trauma redeeming this terrible awful no good terribly rotten thing that's happened to me he's redeeming it for something that will serve a purpose in my life he's giving purpose to pain he's giving hope after trauma and now i have an opportunity to recycle something that mm. appears to be rubble and waste and trash and not recycle it into something beautiful and meaningful and purposeful. Yeah. And sometimes we'll challenge people and say, there are things in your life that could only have been produced, gift talents that could have only been brought to the service. There's callings and destiny that could have only been revealed because it's experienced. Mm. And that's a tough, but that's the ultimate destination. Where do we want people to ultimately get to? We believe trauma healing ends in empowerment which is a crazy thing to say but trauma healing ends in empowerment yep. and man that is a message that if you say that week one to somebody trauma has done nothing but weaken them right they feel beat down by the traumas of their life so to go to them and say this is going to be something that ultimately empowers you is a fundamental difference from any of the other clinical approach they've ever heard
0: I love it. You're, you're exactly right, it, and that empowerment is key. And and there was a a, a line you said in there that really perked me up too, which was that hope, right? That hope is found through that painful moment, right? You know, I rejoice right. in my suffering, Evan. I rejoice in my suffering because I know that suffering produces endurance, and that endurance produces character, and that character produces hope. Right. right. It happens. And that's
1: actually that- interesting. We talk about this with the college campuses that we speak at and do work with some of the books we write, things like that. You know, there's this idea that, okay, this person is really struggling right now. Let's remove them from the suffering. Let's numb out the suffering. Right. But what's funny is that scripture is funny because it's a math formula, right? When you suffer, you get perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope, right? I mean, it's this math formula. Right. Right? And so what's funny is if I remove the suffering, then I don't get the hope. And so this is what's happening. We have a resilience issue. We have a grit issue in culture, not because life is too hard, but actually because life has become too easy. Yeah. And so what's began to happen with that is we're seeing this, this thing where we're trying to give children at younger and younger ages medications. And I'm, again, not against medications. So what, I'm saying, what I'm saying is teaching people how to develop perseverance, and character that produces hope, is where hope is found. Hope is actually found through suffering. Not in the absence of suffering, but we are teaching something different in our schools and in our way that we view this. We're trying to teach avoidance of suffering. Yep. And, um, and so, yeah, it's a fundamental different message when we say to people when they come into our groups. And, and many of them have lost people that they love dearly. Many people, there are wounds that will never fully be removed. And we thought, Jesus, that the scars still remained, you know, even after the resurrection, the scars were there as a yep. testimony. Yep. and then these people's lives they'll
0: have that man this is uh <laughs> this this is powerful man it's a, and it's a lot uh it's a lot i hope you guys are leaning in right listen it's a lot that's out there uh and we're throwing a lot at you and heavy at times dude let 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 let's get some i mean i'm feeling great i'm feeling good about what we're talking about but let's get some feel-good stories yeah. too right so i mean you've seen lives huh. transformed through this so, so share some success with us
1: yeah well, um yeah, golly my my life is so rich because of the stories that I hear and and, and witness to every day. I'll, I'll just tell a couple. but before i tell let me let me tell this one first it was a young lady military female. she um she grew up in a broken home. Um, she was dragged, literally kicking and screaming to a reboot group mm. uh, years later. But what happened was she actually got out of the military she moved back home and and I won't share all the details for sake of privacy because there are some new searches and things like that you could do. But basically what happened was her father was, uh, her mother and father were divorced and her father had a a date over to his house and a neighbor from across the street came and knocked on the door and murdered her father um, like blatant. And, and if you don't know this, what happens is the, the, they might haul the body away but they don't clean up the crime scene after they're done with the crime scene and so she showed up having already had military trauma and she's having to now clean up this terrible grossness of her murder of her dad's murder and his dad's girlfriend's murder and this led to some other issues she had some other traumas and marriage issues and all this kind of stuff And the story basically the punchline of the story is there was a lady across the street who in an argument with her husband to hurt him, said that he she had been having an affair with this dad, which was a lie. And so this guy lost his temper, went across the street with a shotgun, knocked on the door, and blew this guy away. And they had never been, was no relationship. There was no affair going on. There was nothing. And so it was a totally terrible, tragic event. And um, this set this girl on a spiral. I'm happy to that she went through the reboot course kicking and screaming, but around the weeks of forgiveness, around the weeks of of, of guilt and grief, or guilt, uh, shame and regret, she began to get awakened to some truths and she began to forgive people. She began to herself. She began to let things go. That by the time she got done, she decided she wanted to become a leader. She's now one of our strongest leaders in the country. helping Dozens of people per year. I had a chance to sit in on her and her husband's graduation of a group that just finished leading. And it's just incredible to see how a story that literally should be nothing except for pain mm. and giving purpose. Um, so that's one story. And then let me tell one more, you know, everybody always wants us to talk about the stories of other people, but I'm also, I'd like to say that reboot has changed me a lot, you know, and, and reboots done a lot, you know, reboots really taught me two things. The first is is not good, but it's true, which is it's taught me to never underestimate the depravity of mankind. I think every time I think I've heard the worst trauma story, I hear another one that's even more horrific of what man can do to their fellow men. It's terrible. But the second thing it's taught me is that you can make it through anything. You can make it through hell on earth if you've got the right people to you. And, you know, Jane was actually at Camp Lejeune doing a training several years back and um, got a text from her and it said, urgent, please call me when you can. But I was in the middle of a speech. So I finished my talk and I called her and she was in tears and she was having what would be our third miscarriage. And, um, this one was terrible. There was hemorrhaging. there was uh, blood in the house. She was on the bathroom floor. she had passed out mm. um and she had called nine one one and um I called a friend uh, and a babysitter came over because, as she was going to be leaving the house, we had a child in the home, and there'd be nobody there to watch the child and I was out of the country or out of the state rather and so this teenager had to show up and and sleep downstairs to take care of our kid. But, but what's crazy is as she called me, she passed out again. And 911, the medics arrived, but she had not hung up the phone. So I'm listening to what the medics are saying as they're trying to take care of of my wife, who's bled very badly and everything else. And um, as she's going down the step, I hear her wake up. She starts vomiting Mm. as she's going down the steps. It's very, very tragic, very dark. She leaves. And I call uh, two of my reboot members, um, Jeff and a guy named Brandon and Brandon answers his phone at 1 45 AM in the morning. Cause he sees that it's me. He wakes up. He says, Hey man, what's going on? I told him what's happening before I could even finish telling him what's happening. Brandon Brown said, I'm on it, man. Don't worry. I got your, I got you covered here. Let me take care of you. I'll give you an update within a couple hours. He I'll tear up talking about, I mean, he (laughs) drove to my house. He cleaned up all the blood and all of the vomit from my house. He stocked the refrigerator. He drove to the hospital. He didn't sleep the entire night. He was the first by her side, other than her friend, Lara, who lived with us at the time, or who was who had been living with us at the time. He was one of the first people at her side. He texted me along the way. He gave me updates. I caught the first flight I could the following morning. I ended up back at home. I was able to take care of her and when she arrived, but she beat me home. And when she arrived home, she expected to see all this mess, but instead it was was a clean house Mm. and a stocked fridge and clean bed. And I thought about that is brotherhood. That is what veterans talk about when they say brotherhood is dropping everything to serve. And I'll tell you what, that taught me something that I never could have understood. I couldn't have understood it. And I've had good friends, but I'll tell you what, that's, that's a different level. And what's funny is a lot of people physically could not have brought themselves to clean up that mess, but you know why he could, because he had done it before downrange when his LT had been blown up, he had done it before. And so as terrible as it was, as triggering as it was for him, he did it out of love.
0: Mm.
1: And, um, that changed me, changed me forever. I'll never forget it.
0: I'm almost at a loss, man. Uh, hearing that, but I, but I, I hear what you're saying. I know it. I, I know those guys. I, I know those guys. I'm around many of those men in my community now. And you said, you said earlier lock roots. It's the same as lock and shields. You can't do it on your own. You can't. If you right. sit in that room by yourself on your own, the enemy creeps into that mental capacity and he will take you down. Right. You can't do it by yourself. That's you right. can't, you can't lone wolf it. Nobody a lone wolf pack animals, man, we belong in community, right? And what you said was you you've seen, uh, how man can be, uh, led to terrible things, but then also what that power of community can do and what you've built through reboot recovery are these empowered communities to help each other through these amazing things. I'm blown away by it, my friend. Amazing. All right. Uh, tell me about the book you're writing. And then I want to know where people can go to learn more, where they can, uh, Help you or where they, where they can get help?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things. I mean, they can go to rebootrecovery.com if they want to learn more, sign up for a course, maybe become a leader. If they want to start a group, we'd love for them to help start a group. You don't have to be a veteran or first responder because we've got our trauma reboot program. They can do that out of their church mm-hmm. or their basement or their home, whatever. Um, so that's thing I'd like them to do. The second thing is if they want to connect with me directly, um, I'll just share my cell phone number. They can text me at this number, um, 819 514 615 819
0: 5147 Tell it to me one um, more time. Tell it old. to me one tell it to me one more time.
1: Yep. 615 819 5147 Great. And they can just connect with me there via text. Don't call, it won't let you call through, but it'll let you text me directly and I will personally or my wife will personally text you back. It's a little group that prays for us and encourages mm-hmm. us and whatever. Um, And then we have signed a deal to write a book uh, that'll be coming out September of next year. And if you want to stay in the loop about when that book will be coming out, which some of the things I've talked about today will be in that book. It's a very inspiring book. You can join my little texting group, that group that I just, that number that I just shared, and I can reach you directly that way.
0: That's awesome, man. You guys are doing uh, incredibly important and powerful work. And uh, this is this is your strength of purpose. You, you have found uh, what we refer to as when you're doing what you were born to do for those you were born to serve, right? right. And it's an incredible it's an incredible place to be. I count myself very fortunate and blessed to be able to have sat with you over these uh, few minutes and talked a little bit and learned a little bit about it, guys. It's Reboot Recovery. Go check them out. Guy just gave you a, a cell phone number that you can text and become part of this texting group uh, to just have people pouring into you. What a gift, man. What a beautiful gift. Evan, thank you so much. It's
1: awesome. No, thanks for having me. It's my joy. Thanks for listening.
0: He's Evan Owens. I'm Brian Jodis. And this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.